everybody, and welcome to the Medevac Podcast. My name is Christian Myers, and I'm joined today by my co-host, David Reed. Before we hop into our guest, I just want to clarify a couple points. We do not monetize this podcast specifically so we don't inundate you with ads. What we will ask, though, is that if you get something out of this and you enjoy what you hear, please share it with at least one person. And if you're interested, leave a comment below on the YouTube or shoot us a message to let us know topics or people that you might want to hear from. Our guest today is Jay Fain. Jay. Hello. Hello, Jay. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Jay is a former 11 Bravo infantryman in the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. He was injured in uh, Baghdad, Iraq in around 2007, mm-hmm. in June 2007. June 2007. Okay. And we're going to hear a little bit more about Jay today. Yeah. First off, why did you join the military, brother? Uh, I mean, multiple reasons. Um, father was, I mean, my whole family, father, grandfather, uncles, everyone were all military, retired military. So I grew up. An army brat. So first 20 years of my life, I just moved because of my dad being in the military. Hmm. And then... Um, <clears throat> and he was an officer? No, he was enlisted. Enlisted. Is he, he in the retired army too? as a E9, yeah. Oh, okay. Major. Oh, and, oh, okay. Um, just no big deal. Just CSM <laughs> or whatever. But like, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so we, back in 2005, 2000, yeah, 2005, um, we're in Columbia, South Carolina, because my dad's last duty station was there at Fort Jackson. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, long story short, I was going through my second year of college there. Mm. And that last semester, <clears throat> about around March of 05, Febu- February 05. Uh, yeah, February 05. I get a phone call from one of my best friends I went to high school with mm. out when I was living in Illinois. Uh, one of my best friend's little sister. And she's like, She's like, hey, uh, she was crying hysterically. Hmm, that's not good. And not a good sign? Not Well, I knew exactly what it was right away. It was my best friend, Sean. He was deployed to Iraq at the time. Yeah. Um, okay. He got killed. Oh, shit. And uh, I was sitting there. And this like, is previous to you enlisting, right? Mm-hmm. So you get okay. this call. Okay. And um, I remember it was like 6.30 in the morning. 6, 6.30 in the morning. It was right mm-hmm. before I was like, I had to go to class or something like that. And I get this phone call. <clears throat> and she's like, and she was crying hysterically. I just knew right away. Yeah. I was like, God. You just uh, had a feeling too, right? Yeah. That's a, yeah. Because I just talked to him like, because back then, you know, there wasn't like, you know, freaking social media yeah. or it wasn't a big thing in 05. And so it was just like email. Yeah. You know? For all you listeners out there, there's no social media back then. <laughs> Goddamn Gen Zers. I was have to communicate. Was there MySpace? Yeah, there was MySpace then. Been, yeah. I did have a Facebook account then because it was only, only during that time it was for college students. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I never really used it. But it, like no one communicated you know, via not, DM. On not like freaking, they do now. Right? Yeah, like they do of now. course. There wasn't of like course. FaceTimes or nothing like that or whatever. But it was just communication uh, via through email. And he got an e- last email I got from him. I was like, yeah, because they were literally done. Like literally it was like his last day or two. And they're leaving country. And he got killed. In a, I can't remember the exact details, but I think they got ambushed. Mm. <clears throat> and I was like, you know, it really hit me hard because it was my best friend. Yeah. yeah. And I uh, went to the funeral and all that stuff. And then like, I was just like, man, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here. At college, not doing anything really. Yeah, in my spinning life. your you wheels. Know, I, I always knew growing up that I was going to join the military because that's just all I knew. I didn't grow up thinking like, 
Because I didn't go to like one town, you know, where I grew up with the same people. Yeah. We all played the same sports. Yeah. Travel. You were kind of indoctrinated yeah. already yeah. to this kind of situation. So I knew I was going to like, all right, my whole thing ever since I was a young child, I was like, I'm just going to join the army. Yeah. And that's yeah. all I knew. So I knew yeah. I was going to do it anyways. And, um, <clears throat> And well, my thought process was like I go to college and then be an officer. Sure. But, yeah, mission in. And uh, but after that happened, and even the year before that, one of my other good buddies from high school got killed in Iraq too. Damn. Uh, in two thousand four, they're both. Uh, we we all graduated together in high school. He got killed in Iraq in 04. Wow. And it was just like wow, you know, what what am I doing? I got friends over there dying, you yeah. know, and I'm doing nothing. I'm sitting over here going to school. Yeah. No job, freaking not really doing anything myself. Sure. So I was like, you know what? After his funeral, I came back and, you know, my dad was still active duty. I was like, dad, I just, I just want to enlist. I just want to join. He's, you know, my dad was 100% about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I joined. That's a, you know? that's a pretty hard decision to make after mm-hmm. both of your best friends being yeah. killed overseas. May 07, I was, you know, on my way to Fort Benning, Georgia. Did all my, you know, basic airborne school and all that stuff. And yeah. So you, yeah. I mean, you, you were in it. For the long mm-hmm. haul, and you thought you could make a difference. Before we kind of progress in this story, I want to ask because it's an interesting subject. Or Mayo Five, being an army brat, mm-hmm. like how was that for you growing up? Uh, I mean, there's pros and cons to it, I guess. You know, it was great, like because I didn't just we didn't just live in the United States. We lived overseas, like in Europe, mm-hmm. in Germany, and in Korea, and all that stuff. So it was cool, like seeing the world as a young child and all that. Yeah, what what was the Shitty part about it was like, you know, make friends, friends. and leaving them behind, and and yeah. then I got to leave, and like there wasn't like a way to like keep communication because again there wasn't like social media yep. then or yeah. whatever. It was like you had to write letters if anything, yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, so I'd get to a new place to be. I'm the new guy again. You know, yeah, which was just my sister and I, and, and that's got to be hard. Yeah, you know, so it was kind of annoying, but then like I I look back at it now, so it really taught you know my sister and I a lot like about. You know, we didn't, we could, we, were, <clears throat> we weren't like, I guess it taught us like. How to be adaptable. Yeah, yeah. To new environments. To yeah. new places and all that. And uh, so, you know, yeah, I wasn't. And service to, to country was instilled in you at a young age. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So the patriotism that yeah. goes into that has got to motivate you to to want to be a part of that team as well. Yeah. So you've I mean, seen like, that. Forever. Grandpa's World War II vet, uncles, Vietnam, okay. and all that, dad, and all that stuff. So I just. That's got to prep you pretty well for mm-hmm. joining the military and then eventually dealing with your injury as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, being that adaptable at a young age probably yeah, fed I, into that. I believe so. Like, yeah. especially after I got hurt. Like, yeah, everyone had like the down moments, but then I was like, it really didn't affect me that long. So, what you're telling people is to make sure their children's lives are rough. <laughs> no, teach them to be adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. Throw them in the mud, give them some fatigues and an MRE. Yeah. You got a week out You're here, four brother. Years old. Get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> Freeloaders. Yeah. 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 So so you enlisted in 2005 Five. Five. Okay. with an airborne contract at the very mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. And your goal was to just be infantry, airborne infantry. Like, yeah. I just I wanted to go to airborne infantry and. 
but I got, you know, sent to a mechanized unit in Germany. So I was the only one, I was like one of, one of the only new guys, me and my buddy Adam, we joined together. I feel so bad for you that you got stationed in Germany right away. Uh, <laughs> Damn, I, I loved mean, it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I bet. I mean, do you speak German now? No, not really. Oh, come on. You get this, yeah. It was my first, actually, that was my second time in Germany because I was there during my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And then I got stationed in Germany as well. So it was kind of cool going back. But, um, yeah, it was weird. Like, I was, it was me and my buddy. We were both E3s, got to our unit, brand new, fresh BDUs and stuff. <laughs> and the duffel bag dragged to our company area. And then, like, all the all the old grizzled guys that's been around for a while, they see two brand new privates with airborne wings. And, like, half those dudes <laughs> don't even have airborne wings, you know? And they're, yeah. like, E6s and stuff, oh. you know? So, <laughs> automatically, you had a target on your yeah, chest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Extra the salty. officers loved it. Because they all had, like, Ranger, Airborne, and all that, yeah. you know. But, like, all those enlisted guys that, you know, didn't go to any of those schools were like, oh, oh, you think you're so cool because you have Airborne yes. wings. Yes, I am cooler you know than you. Can you say that back then? Can you say that in the military? Yeah, I'm, I'm way cooler than you, actually. <laughs> you think you're cooler this than This guy's got an attitudinal problem. <laughs> an attitudinal adjustment. Did you have to shave your head when you got there? At, at, when I got to my unit? Yeah. Little hazing action going on. I mean, there was definitely some hazing, but I didn't have to shave the head. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a ranger thing? You have to definitely. Shave your head? <laughs> I had to shave my head when I first got to my deployment, and I looked at at my uh, team leader, and I was like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> and he's like, "You're going to do it." And I'm like, "I'm not going to do it." Like, I joined the Rangers so I could have long, beautiful, luscious hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, eventually, he pulled me to the side, and he's like, "Hey, man, you got to be a team player." <laughs> and I'm like, all right, dude. Like, I'll shave my head if it's going to, like, take some slack off me for a little bit. See, see, somebody told me that on my first deployment, too, when I showed up, and I was the only one who did it. <laughs> They're like, you got to shave your head. I'm like, okay. Is everybody shaving their head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's doing oh, yeah. it. Yeah, everybody's doing <laughs> it. I was the, only, was the only bald asshole walking around there. <laughs> and you probably look good, too. Uh, I got a good bald head, but, uh, I mean, the sun is my immortal enemy. So, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, so what happens gallons, when you're ginger? Though, gallons right? of sunscreen on my the top of my head. <laughs> Stay out of the direct sunlight. <laughs> so you get to your unit, and and is it everything that you think it is? Like growing up with your dad, like all the stories, or is it just like, wow, this is very different than what I expected? I mean, no, not really. Like it was exactly. What, I mean, yeah, it was a new thing for me being in the army, living in the barracks, and all that stuff. But yeah, like, I, it was nothing I didn't expect. You know, I expected the hazing. I expected all this. You What's know? your favorite hazing story? I got to hear it. Oh, man. <laughs> Put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you got to think about that one. We'll come back, we'll come back to it. Dave's hazing story is pretty rough. I, 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 have, I, have, I do have yeah, a couple. Some my... hazing stories. It does happen, <laughs> and it's pretty brutal. It's one time I walked in, and I, you know, I had just striped E5 at the time, and I walk into this room, and one of our privates is... Upside down, taped to a ladder, and someone is taking a mop and just brushing him on the face with it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here right now? And they literally all popped a parade rest and they go, it's his birthday, Sergeant. And I'm like, this guy's birthday and you're freaking waterboarding him? She's like, you better clean this shit up right now. I'll be back in three minutes. So that's a little extreme, I think. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday. I remember there was a couple you. of times, like, there was one time my, 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 well, I, when I got there, they didn't really land me in a spot yet because when I got to my company, the whole battalion, we were like, 
It was like at 50%. We don't know 100%. Because like a lot of guys just got back from deployment. People were PCSing or getting out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of so, rotational. So me and Adam and a few other dudes were really like the first set of brand new guys that showed up. So we're like, there was like six or seven of us that were like fresh, brand new. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So for a few, like, for like a month or two, they were, were just all the shit details. Used anything, and abused. We were always yeah. getting fucked with. Oh, yeah. Until like a whole wave of guys showed up a couple months later. So all the heat kind of came off of us. But um, when they finally landed me into a, a position, um, <clears throat> I was a Bradley driver. Yeah. And my uh, my team leader was this guy named Arturo Munoz, Corporal Munoz. And uh, me and him still friends to this day, best friends and stuff. And I love him. But uh, one time in the field... I can't remember what I did wrong or I messed up or he just felt like smoking me or something. I don't I don't left when he should have turned yeah, right. I, I mean, no in, in the army, that's how it usually yeah, works, right? I did. <laughs> I meant I my remember. left recruit. I don't know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me. Just do push-ups till you die. But between the buildings that we're staying in, it was just like a grassy, like, because it was in the middle of like, we're in Grafenbeer. And it, it was snowing, it was wintertime. So it was like, Melty mud, snow, oh, ice, grass area between yeah. slush, and like he just like so he he's kind of he's kind of a dork, kind of a nerd, <laughs> but I love him, and he's a goofball. But so he didn't like smoke me like the conventional style where you do push ups and run and you know iron mics or whatever. <laughs> he always think of something funny to do. Yeah. So he he's like he so he thought about like you know comic book characters. He's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. Between you're you're going to act like your Spider Man and like throw a web to that wall and crawl, then spackle yourself on the wall, then throw a web to the other wall, then crawl through the mess. Like yeah. he did that for like thirty minutes. Like practical different. training, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> we're educating you just in case uh, you're on your own. So yeah. I, that was that was the one time I remember that that was actually because it like it was funny. So, like I. I, I didn't mind getting smoked because yeah. I was like actually entertained the yeah. whole time doing it's that. Fun. <laughs> yeah. You're like my bet my dad smoked me since I was four. Yeah. <laughs> it's a CSM. Yeah, this is nothing. I was doing burpees when I was real young. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that's probably one. And another time there was a so I'm half Korean, and there's a in the other platoon there's a full Korean uh, NCO named Sergeant Lee. He's I think he's still active duty now. Um, hmm. He, uh, so like, there's like a thing with like the Koreans or Asians, like you, you gotta respect the age, the elder Asian and all that. And sure. I did that. Yeah. I grew up that way because yeah. my mother, she's full Korean and mm. I got taught those traditional ways and all that. So I respected in that way. And also as an NCO. Sure. What if and, you have <clears throat> a subordinate that's older than you? It's Asian. Subordinate. <laughs> like that's uh, a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if I was an NCO and he was like an E four, yeah, like, what do you do? Well, obviously, <laughs> Army will be first. He's gonna respect me as an NCO, yeah, but like, we're precedence. home and whatever. You, you know, be I'll respect him as an elder, but when it comes to work, it's I respect be you, yeah. but beat your face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do this because I love you. But I remember one time he he found out I was Korean and I was the only other Korean guy in, in the company. And like, just because I was a younger Korean guy, he just wanted to smoke me, you know? <laughs> and he did the tradition. Uh, and he was like a former like rock army Korean soldier that went over to to the U.S. Army and became an infantryman. And, uh, wow. And uh, he had spoke very broken English. But since I've been around it my whole life, I, I, can, I understood it, you know? 
<clears throat> and uh, I used to speak Korean fluently, but not not anymore. But I can still understand quite a bit of it. But he he just wanted to smoke me just because I was a Korean, younger Korean. So guy. it really was and a love out thing. of pr- yeah. out of principle, like. Like, I can't remember how long he was smoking me for, but it was for a while. I just didn't want to give up. Yeah. Just out of principle, just because I'm wanted- not letting this older Korean guy try to, like, yeah. flex his <laughs> fucking muscle on me, thinking he's going <laughs> to fucking break me. No, I'm gonna, I'll do this all fucking night. With a all. smile I'll, on, you yeah. Know? I'll show you, old so, man. <laughs> and yeah, after that, like, it was like he he got, like, because I didn't give up. He just, like, he's, he showed more respect towards oh, me. Yeah. Cause he uh, sh- yeah. Absolutely. He was trying to break me just because I was a younger Korean guy, see how much I can take. Yeah. And I, I was like, fuck that. I ain't fucking giving up. <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will die before I fucking give yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> not gonna lose, so, uh, man. So I mean, it's that's very apparent as hazing, you know, especially when yeah. you get when you get to your unit. But yeah. uh, so other than that, everything went smoothly. Like, yeah. when did you rip out after you got to Germany? We were. I got to Germany, so I graduated airborne school October, September, October, oh seven. Okay, and then shortly after that, I was in Germany a couple of weeks later. And then we deploy to Iraq. That's the next summer in, in uh, o, no, you meant 2005, yeah. Oh five, and then the next summer of 06, our unit deployed to Iraq. Was okay. it a twelve it month like, tour? Or? Yeah, it was, no, it was one of those like 15, 16 oh. month ones. Jesus, oh. <laughs> fun stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's a long time. So I got we got to Kuwait. I can't remember in June, July, August around that time. Yeah. The whole yeah. unit summer. got there, and then we all pushed to Iraq after that. Okay. You know? And you were a uh, Bradley Gunner out there or Bradley mm-hmm. Driver out there? Bradley Gunner. Okay. Like when I got to Iraq, I got switched over to a gunner. Okay. So and, uh, you were a driver at first mm-hmm. and you were doing training for that in Germany at the time. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So how did that feel initially when they're, you're like, you're going to be 11 Bravo. And then you get there and they're like, you're mechanized now. I mean, I didn't really mind. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't like. I wasn't like bitch, like oh no, I want to be a rifleman and kick, <laughs> kick doors down and all that stuff. I was like, all right, cool, I'm just happy with wherever I'm at. Yeah, you know, I'll do yeah. whatever I can, the best I can, wherever I'm at. Don't really have anything to relate it to, right? Yeah. No previous experience. No. Is that I like was, a hit for an inf- infantryman to go mechanized? Is that like a? Well, it's a weird thing. Like at, at, at that unit, like it was, it was like there's definitely the the mounted versus dismounted. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, everyone, that is always a. It's just like everyone hated on the mounted guys. Or everyone, we hated on the dismounted guys because, oh. like, the dismounted guys were too fucking lazy to want to learn anything mechanized or anything okay. mounted, even though they were there. And we knew both the jobs, you okay. know? And, like, it was, like, a big thing. Hey, that, uh, you know? who are you calling lazy? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Because <laughs> everyone that was in the mounted section... We're walking. Wait. <laughs> wait a minute. You're all, driving around in a nice air-conditioned unit. Come all on. the guys that were in the mounted section, uh, especially the... the um, <clears throat> The, the grizzled ones, as they call it, when uh, the ones that's been around for a while, they all already did all their dismount that, shit. Yeah, and yeah. Fuck that you know, so they already knew the job. And you know, we still trained both. We didn't just train fucking on Bradleys and Humvees. We sure. Train. It's not, it's not like oh, you become mounted and you just forget how to kick doors down or clear yeah. rooms. Yeah, you're yeah. still doing that too. Still of the course. basics. You know? Yeah, of course. It makes sense. You're just better trained. Yeah, better that's trained right. than the dismounts. <laughs> Too fucking lazy. They just go hide in the God fucking. Bar- they go hide in the fucking barracks all day while we're busting our ass on the fucking motor pool and shit, <laughs> and doing their jobs at the same time. All right, you know, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. 
Yeah, I was, I was Air Force. I have no room I to feel talk. I'm lazy. And I still have my red card from now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're mounted. You, you go over there uh, to Iraq mm-hmm. and they put you on a gun, which has got to be more fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel so powerful as a Bradley Gunner when you have that 25 mic night right there? Yeah. And oh, you get yeah. to fucking shoot that thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's a big fucking yeah. gun. Via remote control or were you yeah, up it was top? The, uh, yeah, I was in the turret. Yeah, it was, I forget what the, the LRAS, you know, you just pretty much have joysticks and you look through a fucking reticle. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can like place targets and shoot stuff and... I mean, did you feel powerful when you were on that thing? Powerful. I mean, I yeah. would. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. 25 hell millimeter? Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take down a building. <laughs> yeah. Which I have. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so tell us about your first mission out. Like, day one. Um, so, first time... You left the wire. Yeah, first time actually doing a patrol, you know, and going to our sector and, like, driving around and there wasn't much dismounting. It was a lot more just driving around get to know the sector, mm-hmm. the area. And uh, I was a gunner. We're in Humvees. So I was a, and I had a 50 cal. So I was a gunner on a 50 cal. And all, all, all I did was just, I remember, I mean, we trained a lot for it. Sure. I, yeah. I was lucky, I guess, lucky enough to have a lot of training quite a bit of training before we actually deployed. We, I didn't just go straight to Iraq. Yeah, you know? especially with like so, concurrent training all the yeah. way through to your deployment, right? So prepares you pretty so well. So I knew, I, I knew like at least like the motions to go through to pull security correctly, you know? Yeah. I wasn't just thrown into the mix and just had to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just driving around, just seeing the people and just like car, I mean, it was in Baghdad, so it's fucking millions of people. Yeah. There. And um, <clears throat> so there's fucking people trash. I mean, like, you, you go through all this training and then PowerPoints, whatever. Oh, you see trash on the side of the road. You want to stop? There's fucking trash everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's you like, know? It's all IEDs. <laughs> you, you don't know. Yeah, like, and that's just the like, thing, too. Yeah, you're looking for IEDs yeah. and how is it? You can't find them. They're just there. Like, mm-hmm. you, you find them by actually getting blown up by yeah. one. And, and I don't know about you, but like, <laughs> Found Everyone it. that I ever saw on a cell phone, I was just yeah. almost terrified yeah. about. Yeah. I'm like, he's on, making a click. Go! Yeah, you see people <laughs> on fucking cell phones all the time there. And then like, and there's like, it wouldn't be like a thing to see someone walking around with a fucking gun there. You know, you yeah. might stop and ask them, hey, what are you doing? They're allowed to have, like at that time, they're allowed to have like one weapon per household or some shit. Okay. You know, so people walk yeah. around with guns like, you might stop and like, hey, what are you doing? with my gun yeah. around my house. <laughs> Might be yeah. protecting themselves. Yeah. He's, he's like, it's open carry around here. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so it's like everything you learn beforehand or seen or whatever and you get to Baghdad and you're just like, all right, all that goes out the fucking window. Oh, yeah. Now, the way to fucking survive in Baghdad is you gotta, you know, you gotta learn the environment and the yep. people and how they act, you know, and the differences, you know, kind of immerse yourself in the yeah, culture a so little you're, bit. You learn six, seven senses and shit. Yeah. You know, you're like, you, at a certain point, everyone gets it. You know, like we drive down a road, we've driven down a gazillion times before, but then like people are acting there. Mm-hmm. There's no one around. It's like, all right, stop. There's something fucking going on. Yeah. You know, and 99% of the time, yeah, there's an ID or an ambush or something happened. And everybody on the ground knew about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how you fucking hold. That's how you fucking learn to survive in in an environment like that. You know? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The social engineering aspect behind mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah. So day day one was just learning the routes. Nothing crazy happened. Yeah, nothing. But crazy you learned happened. a lot. Yeah, and I leaned on the guys that's been deployed before, and they, you know, they were like, you know, obviously mentoring. I was like, all right, this yeah. is what's Making up. Spider Man around. Yeah. <laughs> Spider Man wall to wall. <laughs> and uh, that, that was it. And there was no, I, don't, I don't. We didn't get into like any type of ticks or anything like that. Probably not for a few weeks. Okay. Yeah. Which is first, good, right? You know? yeah. It's a Learn the atmosphere, learn yeah. the environment. <laughs> we didn't hit IEDs. We didn't like, there's like a couple of things where like maybe like, you know, there's people like the local nationals maybe got injured by something or someone they got attacked by some asshole or something. Sure. We might have helped, had to help them out, but we didn't get like attacked or anything, not for a few weeks. Okay. Um, okay. Do you have any like salient stories that stand out in between like that first, uh, that first patrol you guys did and the point to where you got injured? Do you have any like crazy stories? Yeah, that stand I mean, we out. definitely got into some good ones. Yeah. Um, there was one time, <clears throat> it was, yeah, it was probably a few, couple months or so after we got there. Uh, we were doing, um, we got tasked out, our, our battalion got tasked out to do a court. We court on off a piece of like Solder City mm-hmm. at the time. And we're doing it for, um, I think 10th group was out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were doing HVT stuff and they were looking for because at that time uh, a U.S. Army uh, Iraqi interpreter mm-hmm. that was from Baghdad, I think he's, he was living on the green zone or something, I can't remember. He'd left to go see his family in Baghdad okay. and he got fucking snatched up. And fucking, oh shit. And you know they're getting intel that he was in a certain place in Sadr City and we would just have with all of our Bradleys and everything just court on off that area. They go in, hit the house or wherever they got to hit and get out. You the know? hostage We just rescue. had to make sure they're safe getting in and getting out. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> so I was in the Bradley at the time. So we get out there, we go set up. And then like, as soon as we show up and it's Sauter City, you know, Sauter City is a whole fucking different monster compared to everything else in Baghdad. Hmm. Sauter City is like a slum. You know, okay. Oh yeah, alleys like, are fucking tiny. Sewage everywhere. You know, they and we Ugh. at that time technically we weren't allowed to go into Sauter City. There's some kind of agreement with. Edit that out, Dave. Popsec. <laughs> 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 but fuck it, whatever. I was yeah. 15 we're, years ago. What are they gonna do? Shit? <laughs> Kick you out? Yeah. <laughs> I think 20 is the magic number. Now. Yeah. <laughs> but we. Uh, so every time we'd show up, the city fucking knew the Iraqi police that were on the checkpoints on the outskirts of the city would fucking bug out because they were mm. fucking shady motherfuckers. Yes. And then next thing you know, people are running around, running fucking Constantino wire across the road. They're getting ready because they um, know we're coming in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we're just like, all right, fuck. Well, we got to get ready. Keep your eyes open. And I remember, was I in a Humvee or was I in the Bradley? Because we went out there for like a good like week straight just like every night just to try to find this guy. I don't think they ever found him. Mm. But um, there was one night. Yeah, no, I was in a, I was in the Humvee because I had my nods on. I okay. remember. Yeah. And uh, and the second time was the second big tick that we got in there. I was in the Bradley. First time I was in the Humvee because I had my nods on. I remember sitting there and we're looking into Solder City, and you know I have my fucking sector of fire area to look. Yeah. And then it was at nighttime. It was right before day uh, daybreak. And then uh, shortly after we set up. I'm looking in my nods. And you can see, you know, in the nods, you can see all the stars in the sky. It's just fucking kind of beautiful. I was like, this is nice. Very serene. But then I see in the nods, like a little, like, 
a light, like moving. Like I was like, I was like a shooting star. I was like, oh no, it's that's a, a, that's a beautiful, fire. beautiful <laughs> shooting star. Make a wish. Yeah, make a wish. I was like, that's fucking indirect fire. It's I was like, oh right shit. Me. I was like, so I get it's on comms. So I was like, I, was, I just say fucking idea, fucking button up. You know, be be ready. And then yeah, yeah fucking motors start dropping, but they got nowhere near us. And sure. Yeah. They yeah. Like normal. They couldn't walk it in. You know. And then right after that, yeah, we started getting into a firefight. Like they're starting fucking pop shots coming in from everywhere and. And once that happens, it's just like death blossom. You know, you just start shooting fucking everything. Yeah. And then... Uh, and you're on the 50th for this one? Mm-hmm. On the Humvee? Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, Unfortunately. I did get my 25, my, my time. Like, uh, the yeah. night after. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be next. Yeah. But, you know, the SF team went in there and fucking... I don't think they found anything they did. I have no idea. Mm. And they got out. <clears throat> and then we left. And then the next night was Bradley. So we did the same thing. Show up. I'm in the Bradley, and Bradley, you know, I have flares, so I can see fucking oh yeah, you know, heat signatures and stuff. And um, <clears throat> next night, same thing, you know, IDF starts coming in, fucking RPG starts flying, fucking bullets start flying. But then, like any good, smart Bradley gunner, when they're deployed, <laughs> when the firefight starts going off. So you got, obviously there's ROE, rules of engagement, mm-hmm. you know, PID, and then you got to- Positive this, identification. All this stuff. And before you get to shoot anything really, right? Sure. Yeah. But, you know, firefight happens, you just got to react. So usually, you know, we have the coax, the 240 that's connected to, they, they want you to shoot that first. Okay. Any good Bradley gunner would be like, oh, coax is down, 25 <laughs> up and just start shooting. And then no one stops. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone's like, okay. Yeah, so it's called talking your weapon systems. Yeah. I think that should be 101 in infantry combat. Right? <laughs> and coax work just fucking fine, yeah. oh, yeah. you know. But it's just like you just want to shoot the main gun. Yeah. So that's what I did I the first do. time I had the chance to do it, and uh, it was a lot of fun shooting that 25. Oh, and it's kind yeah. of funny too, is that the, the more you shoot, the more squared away they think you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. A three to five second burst at that point in time is like a nine to twelve yeah. second burst, and you're like, you're like, oh, Sergeant Reed, you're really into this, man. You're you're a go getter, and I'm like, I just want to shoot shit down, bro. Get this out of here. <laughs> I just want to break everything. Yeah. The barrel's glowing red. I'm doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> and and that I remember that that was uh, that was a good. The reason why that one was fucking very memorable is because. Um, that was the first time because we're with tenth group, so like they have all the support in the world. Oh, fucking yeah. cast, fucking fast movers, fucking AC one thirty gunship. Mm. I saw that motherfucker in action, actually in real life. Oh, I was shit. like, no oh, yeah. fucking way. I had Duh. no idea that all that was out there because I'm yeah. just an infantry guy on the ground. I mean, if you, you weren't <laughs> at the and then time, fuck, it was raining fucking shit on that whole little city block. We're fucking murdering. <laughs> Not murdering. Leveling. Leveling. And, uh, uh, conducting operations yeah. to take out yeah. terrorists. Yeah. Uh, cells. Yeah. No, I was fucking but, killing. <laughs> we're, and I couldn't, I was like, wow, I've seen this shit like on like, you know, videos and stuff, but I actually saw it and it was fucking oh, the coolest yeah. thing. In the oh, world. yeah. You know, like I felt like, you know, like what am I doing? And, here? you know, the 105s and, dropping and, in. And as yeah. a caveat to that, and on a serious note, you really, when you look up and you see that kind of support, I mean, doesn't it just give you a sense? Of just, you know, War reassurance. Buggies. Yeah. I mean, God, because like, I mean, at the end of the day, that air support is critical. Yeah. 
The most support we've, you know, on the ground there we ever get is, you know, getting the Apaches to come in. If. Oh, only Apaches, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Have you ever seen one of those things staring at you before? <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Shit your pants a little bit. The first firefight our platoon got in, like uh, our PL, literally very first firefight, our PL got shot in the got shot in the hand, and like he couldn't do much. But really, PL he shouldn't be out there fucking running and gunning. But he, you know, called in that fucking the patches Mm. to do uh, some strafe runs on some rooftops. That was kind of cool. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. We used, to, we used to fly uh, like multiple formations with Apaches and they yeah. would go in and crush everything. We'd fly in and rescue people. But oh, yeah. having those guys next to you or uh, A-10s, the yeah. Sandy pilots next oh, to you. A-10s my are my favorite, yeah. Yeah, first and foremost. <laughs> but, you know, a little pee comes out every time I shoot. <laughs> <laughs> a gun run. 100%. Every single time. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. You got to see the AC-130 in action, yeah, though. I can't believe it. I was like, wow. It's what a- well, at first I was like, what the fuck is that? And I was in the turret with yeah. my platoon star and he's like, that's the fucking... AC-130 gunship. And I was like, oh, fucking wow. <laughs> it's a, videos of it, but yeah. I thought I'd see it in real life. It's a cargo airplane. It's like a, a pause for a moment to talk to the audience here and say that you're in the middle of a firefight being like, God damn, this is neat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wow, this is fucking beautiful. This is cool, this man. Is so zing, cool. Zing. <laughs> bullets going off on you. Call of Duty. I wonder if I got a respawn here. But yeah, that was probably the most memorable firefight. Yeah, we got in there because everything after that was like fucking subpar. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, yeah, we did get in firefights. IED blew up. We didn't get to shoot here and there, but most of the time, a lot of a lot of ticks were over there. It was like boom, fire, boom, IED, maybe some gunshots, and that was it. It was kind of like, dwindles. Yeah, you know. yeah, and that that's a that's a thing. A great point that you bring to the table as well is a lot of people think that it's like a video game. Yeah, and you know. Shit's going off, explosions are happening, RPGs going past your face. And most of the time, it's just really small arms fire. Yeah. You know, just little stuff popping off back and forth. And you're just like, well, this is nothing like yeah. the movies. Yeah, this is no, this is not Black Hawk. No. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Fights running. 50,000 rounds. one other time where there was a, t- where we did kind of go house to house and we were fighting like another, you know, they weren't, they were insurgents, local insurgents. They weren't like fucking Taliban or crazy fucking people. Hmm. Uh, that were trying to actually fight us one on one. Yeah. So it was kind of cool that we're doing house to house and stuff like that, trying to catch these guys. Nice. Other than that, ninety nine percent of the time, boom, ID or some dude might do a pop shot here and there, and we're like, oh, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that was it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. good you got that the big one out of the way early. Mm-hmm. Kind of sets the bar, and it yeah. probably makes you realize later that boring is better. Yeah. It also. Yeah. Boost up confidence, right? Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. the most important thing on the battlefield, I think, is that if you're confident in yourself and how you could react, mm. then you're going to be mostly fine. You know, yeah. there is some situations that are going to be out of con- your control at yeah, all yeah. times, right? But if you're confident and you could, you know, put lead down range, you're going to be okay yeah. most of the time because we are better. Yeah. We- 10 million times better yeah. than whatever <laughs> yes. they had got going on. Absolutely. You know, the only thing that sucked was you know, the fucking, I guess the two, the biggest worries were obviously the IADs and the snipers. Snipers yeah. were the big things. Yeah. Too. Yes. Especially in that time frame, mm-hmm. snipers were a really big issue, yeah. right? And they also are everywhere yeah. in Iraq. I mean, there are so many hidden, hidden nooks and crannies that mm-hmm. these guys could pop out of. That was the most terrifying thing for me when I was over, over at 
in Iraq was you have to check rooftops. You have to check yeah. alleyways. Like someone could be in a wall, like, mm. you know, there's a little rug hiding between a dishka and you. <laughs> How you those know? sniper te- those enemy sniper teams did it over there, they did it in vehicles. You know, they shot out the back of the And then they moved to a different boom, position, oh, yeah. Because I remember, I, I didn't know, I didn't really realize because I think, oh, maybe they're just like, going to set up somewhere on a rooftop try to shoot us. I saw it. But then I, the only reason why I knew is that early, this was like very early on, like within probably like the first month or so I was there mm-hmm. or somebody got shot at was by a sniper. Okay. Yeah. We we're like coordinating off a street and we're just, you know, knocking on the doors, you know, just talking to the people. We weren't like searching houses or anything. Okay. And, uh, and I was a gunner at one end of the street watching my, down my street and like there was an intersection, maybe like, hundred meters down or so. And uh, there was this gray van that just kept circling, driving around us. And every gunner was like, hey, man, this fucking van just keeps fucking stopping and looking at us. And we're like, yeah, just keep an eye out. Yeah, you know? keep eyes on. And I saw it over <clears throat> down my street and he parked uh, the van. Um, like all you could see was the ass end of it the, and the back right passenger side all you can see was the ass end of it okay and the in front and, and, and everything else was covered behind a wall and <clears throat> i remember i was like hey that fucking van's over there it stopped you know i don't know what it's doing i can't see inside like i'm trying to use fucking some kind of like binos or something to see i can't see what i can't see in the windows i can't see anybody really mm-hmm. and um and this fucker was smart the sniper was smart because right at that exact moment uh Kids just got out of school. So it was like oh. kids all over the street walking around. Well-timed. And um, I'm, I keep an eye out. I'm also looking at all the kids, looking at everything I can. I'm watching. Like, you know, I'm still watching that. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, I remember I kind of let my guard down for a second because mm-hmm. I saw a couple of kids come up to the window. I was like, okay, maybe he's just a vendor. Okay. Trying yeah. to sell some shit to the kids. Or Ice cream shit. truck. Yeah. You know? And you see that there a lot. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I was like, okay, man, okay. I let my guard down for a second. And then I looked back, then I looked back again, and the back window was open, but I couldn't see inside of it. I remember when he opened the window, I couldn't, I was looking through the binos, I couldn't fucking see inside of it. Hmm. But the kids walked up to the door. I was like, oh, maybe just vendor, vendor selling food or whatever. And um, I kind of let my guard down off of it for a second. Now look, I looked back again, and as soon as I looked back, I saw the fucking, I saw the shot. Oh shit. Come out the window and the fucking bullet whizzed by my fucking head and went down. And I said, fucking sniper, sniper, sniper in that van. And then fucking he was gone. We because like, the, guy, the guys were, there's guys dismounted already. So it's not like we can just go chase him. Yeah. Because it would just be us alone. Yeah. You know, you got to regroup so, first. Just regroup and then. He's fucking gone. Yeah. So, by the time you're yeah, pursuing, there's no way. You're not going to find, find him. him. Too bad that C-130 wasn't there. Just know, eyes shit. on, you know. A little bit before like, ISR had, days. Nice yeah. had ISR. Yeah. You know, or like a striker, you know, you have a thermal on there. Yeah. You can definitely see through the window. You're like, what are you yeah. doing? If right I'm now? on Bradley, I could fucking see right yeah, through exactly. that window. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get him with a 25. Yeah. Just you face. thought. Yeah. Not wrong, buddy. Yeah. Not wrong. Mine's way Sucks bigger. Sucks to suck, nerd. <laughs> so, so... Okay, so it's all real to you at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen some of your buddies get shot. Like, you've been in combat at this time. So walk us through your day that went terribly wrong. So it was uh, June 26, 
And so we've been, I've been in country 11 months, just short of 12 months. Okay. Already. And it was literally, oh, we were staying at an outpost in Baghdad. And it was literally my time to go home for Arnon. So all we had to do was, because uh, we had headquarters set up in, uh, what was it? Camp Taji, just north of Baghdad. Okay. Our battalion and all that stuff was up there. And, you know, all, all those guys were up there. And, uh, but our, our outpost, our company's outpost was in, in the city of Baghdad. So the way we did it was, like, people had to go to Taji, you know, I guess, like, out process or whatever, and then get back down to Baghdad again to fly out to go home. You know, even though fucking Biop wherever was literally right across the river from our fucking mm-hmm. outpost. I was like, why can't we? Well, I have to go up there and back. You <laughs> yeah, know? go across the street, please. But whatever. That's just how it was until battalion moved, it fully moved itself down to Baghdad shortly after I got injured. But uh, so it was my time to fucking go on R and R, and literally, I was fucking so happy. It was me and the PL at the time. We're both going out R and R at the same time together. So <clears throat> we got a ride from a separate platoon in our company. Um, it was a tank, the tank platoon, because we had like a, we had the whole, what was it, brigade combat team. So we had, you know, two infantry or two or three infantry platoons and yeah. one tank platoon. Okay. Attached. Mm-hmm. So we had Abrams too. Oh, that's um, going to be dope. <laughs> those things suck. They never got a chance to shoot their main gun, but uh, it was nice to have them out there. Though. I almost saw one one time. I missed it by two <laughs> seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did see one main gun go oh, off, though, but yeah. it wasn't from our guys. But, um, so we got a ride with them to go up to Taji. And it wasn't like a quick ride. Like you had to drive through Baghdad a little bit and then go up route Tampa. And then you're in Taji. It was like, I can't remember. It took maybe with nothing going on. You're just driving the whole time, maybe like a half hour or so. Okay. So about, you're, you know, let me just reiterate here. You're on your way to vacation. Essentially. Yeah, pretty much. I'm on the way to go home. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Head to the airport. drink beer, fucking get laid, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to this shit. Yeah. You know? I'm, fine. I'm looking forward yeah. to this day. I've literally been in country for fucking almost a year and I'm literally the last person in my uh. whole company and probably the whole battalion to go home for R&R. My PL he was a replacement PL because I told you my PL, original PL got shot. Yeah. And we had some other guy come down and he left and another guy came. You know, he was a replacement PL from, he used to be in the Marine Corps, became Army, whatever. He's a really nice guy, cool guy. Great fucking PL, you know. But I, I was like, man, you've just been here for like two seconds. You're fucking already going R&R. You know, I've been here for fucking a whole year, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let me yeah. go, please. Yeah. Cherry bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry ass motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, sir? Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, what's going on in your and head? Then, yeah. So, I, and you know, I've done this fucking drive up to Taji a gazillion times. I know the route. Fuck, I still remember it now. I could probably... If we go over there, I can do it right now. <laughs> so, and um, <clears throat> so we're getting into, so we're on our side of the river, the east side, northeast side, whatever. We had to go across the bridge um, to the other side of the river and we cut through Katamia. Then you, then you see like the gates of fucking Baghdad on Tampa, then mm. pretty much country road all the way up to fucking Camp Taji. Okay. And, uh, but before we hit the gates, that's Katami, a big fucking city that has like a huge, like one of the biggest Shiite shrines in Iraq. It might, might be the biggest Shiite shrine. And there's a lot of people. And usually there's no issues. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shiites usually like us and like, 
There was never issues driving through but there. But they didn't like the idea of you going on vacation. <clears throat> yeah, they didn't at like all. That. <laughs> so literally this route that we're going down to hit the fucking US or not US one fucking route one or route Tampa, whatever the fuck they call it. I can see the fucking gates of fucking Baghdad. Make that turn, <laughs> boom, fucking I'll be there. And then uh and then all of a sudden, boom. Shit just changed. You know, I, I don't remember hearing or feeling or anything. It's like I just woke up into a dream. Mm. And then after I like finally kind of like came to is when I realized, oh shit, we just got because mm-hmm. there was like smoke in the vehicle. Mm. The NCO that I was in the vehicle I was riding with, the NCO in there was like yelling because I'm checking if everyone's all right. I'm looking around. Like I'm like not fucking completely came to yet. Coherent at yeah. all. Yeah. And um, I remember looking at the gunner. He was slouched over like this. I didn't know if he was alive or dead. Mm. Uh, but he's fine. He's, he's not. He was just knocked out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the driver and the guy behind him was fine because they were like yelling. And the vehicle was still able to move because the ID didn't hit the engine block. Um, it literally just hit outside of my fucking door and destroyed the... Of course it did. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. touched nothing else but me. But yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and like made it, someone very sleepy. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I finally, like, remember trying to be incoherent, like, I was like, fuck, man. Like, I remember just being fucking pissed. Yeah. yeah. You know? I'm like, god damn it. Like, I just wanted to get the fuck out the car, out the truck, and fucking get out. And, like, I'm, like, trying to look for my fucking weapon between my legs, trying to open the fucking door. I couldn't. I couldn't find my weapon. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was just mad. I just wanted to fucking get out and, you know. Yeah. Fucking destroy everything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> fucking up my vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Golly, that is a great start. And little did I know, like, uh, the fucking IED, it was, a, it was an EFP, you know? It was mm-hmm. one of those copper projectiles. It yeah. wasn't like a fucking 155 round. It was supposed yeah. to be a foreign penetrator. Yeah. yeah. So, fucking, it slugged through the fucking vehicle and went up through, like, my body and my leg and came this way. And I was, like, on fire a little bit. I had no idea at that time. Oh, shit. I, that, and that's why I couldn't find my gun. I guess it was fucking destroyed and the door was fucking destroyed. Okay. And uh, So the projectile went through your leg and your weapon? I think so. Okay. In fucking, I, I guess it was like a few slugs. One like went in front of the, the NCO and one like went like kind of by the gunner's head and there was one that came up through me. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and, and then from here on out, the rest of the story is what I've been told from people that were there on the ground. Hmm. And, uh, so the NCO, Sergeant Lopez, Michael Lopez, he told me that he was like, you know, trying to get a status check on everyone that like he like tried to get a status check on me and I wasn't like making any noise. I was making like weird grunt noises or something. I don't remember. And he said he heard like a, just a deathly scream from me and just I went quiet. Huh. And uh, he knew something was fucking wrong from there. And then he got out the truck after they were safer or out of the fucking the danger zone. And uh, <clears throat> danger zone, danger zone. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And uh, he said the reason why the door came up because it was fucking Swiss cheese, you yeah. know. And he couldn't get me, so they had to pull me over the ammo can, pull me out the other side, and onto the street. And then he saw that I was fucking bleeding like crazy from my leg. And okay, he tried to stop. He's like, before the medic could get there, like he, you know, he couldn't put a tourniquet on. Because the wound was so high. So high. It's right at your so hip, just right? Like, he's just trying to just like stop it and like yeah. slap me to keep me awake. Because he said I was like in and out, open my eyes, closing my eyes. He just yeah. slapped me to keep me awake. Blood loss is yeah. substantial at yeah. this point. And the medic, Souders, the guy that came there uh, that fucking saved my ass, 
he got there and the same thing. He's like, he couldn't get a tourniquet on. But what he did is like, he found the femoral that was severed inside my body, pulled it out and clamped it. Stopped that fucking uh, bleeding, you know? Wow. I would have fucking bled out and died right yeah. in the street if he didn't do that. Yeah. But I wasn't out of the woods yet. You know, he stabilized me enough to where I can at least move yeah. to the nearest aid station, which was literally right down the road <clears throat> at this uh, Bob Justice. That's what it was called. Um, Justice. <clears throat> <laughs> I got there and like I guess the aid sta- I've never actually been on Fob Justice we drove by it a gazillion times but the aid station there had a PA and all that and uh, the PA said that I was she said I was awake or I made noise I can't remember but she said I was in a lot of pain because I was internally bleeding mm. very badly and I needed to be in an OR okay right away but the so the cash the Baghdad cash you know obviously right down the road but the medevac team, the pilots, <clears throat> they 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 were grounded because of weather, uh, you know, but yeah. they still came anyway since I was so close. Yeah, they just came by themselves with their just one helicopter came. And yeah, usually that's like against like SOP because yeah. it has to be two or more. Yeah, if it's a couple waiting. minute flight though, yeah, they just did it, got me, yeah. got me to the fucking. They've OR. broken the rules for a lot worse than that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> let's be honest. So. I have. fucking <laughs> yeah. came and got me, got me there, got me into an OR and fucking, and next thing you know, I, you know, I wake up, I wake up, I see my dad because my dad was in Iraq at the same time. He was contracting in Baghdad at oh, no the same kidding. time, wow. right down the fucking road. So I woke up and I remember seeing my dad and he told me what happened. I just remember fucking tubes and bandages and fucking yeah. whatever. And uh, my dad told me what happened. I, I saw, he said that I fucking, he's like, you lost your right leg. And they had to cut your leg off. Okay. So I remember like looking up, like I had a blanket or something over me. And I looked and I remember seeing like, oh, wow, I really don't have it. But it didn't like phase me at that point. Yeah. You know, and I just remember just like, and I th- the first thing I asked him was like, well, fuck, how's everyone else? You know, that was in the vehicle. Like, how's mm-hmm. everyone? He's like, everyone's fine. And then from there, it was just, <clears throat> a lot of haziness because I was like probably under a lot of pain meds yeah. and shit. Yeah. yeah, a lot of dissociatives. You know, yeah. So they had to move me from there to another place, then to Germany, and then Germany, then stateside to here in San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. I did all my stuff at Brook Army Medical Center. Okay. Yeah. And that was what year again? June 07. So <clears throat> they were building the Center for the Intrepid at the time, right? It ju- I think it just got done early that year, like January, okay. February 07. Okay. When the first like started yeah. having patients in there. So yeah. you, you were one of the first like yeah. long-term patients there. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that is incredible facility. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where yeah. I did my recovery as well. Yeah. So, and, and how long were you doing your recovery there? So I got there well, probably like early July, you know, 07. And um, I was inpatient because I had third degree burns. I suffered third degree burns. I had a fucking ostomy bag. Obviously, the amputation, wow. you know, and like shrapnel wounds here and there. I was fucking blind in my right eye. It was wow. just temporary because it just like the pressure. There was just a lot of blood. Yeah. And, yeah. <clears throat> but I got that vision back fully. Um, but I was only in there like three weeks, you know, inpatient for like three weeks. So they went through all the major surgeries, healed up fucking very nicely. Where mm-hmm. I can be at least outpatient status, do self-care. Or my mother was with me. Okay. Yeah. She helped me out. And then I can start doing <clears throat> outpatient therapy there at uh, the Intrepid Center for the Intrepid. Okay. Yeah, and then, were you staying at the Fisher House there? 
No, I stayed at the guest house, like right across okay. the street. Yeah, the, the Fisher house wasn't built yet, right? No, it was there, okay. but we they didn't put us in. We were staying at the guest house. And, so, okay. and, I, and to be honest, I'm so glad I stayed in the guest house instead of the Fisher house, you know, because there's the Fisher house, so many weird rules, you know, like yeah. you couldn't cook in the room or like that yet. Uh, yeah. My mom loves, you know, Asian mother. She wants to feed me all the sure, time. Yeah. So she yeah. wants to cook whatever, wherever, however she wants. So mm-hmm. we stayed at the guest house and I was like, Fucking perfect. And um, <laughs> thanks, mom. <clears throat> but did all that therapy, recovery, a couple more surgeries. Fucking, I was up and moving around on a prosthesis, probably like early. I mean, I, I was fitted before, I was early or late 07, like November, December. I was up moving around, um, fitted with a prosthetic. Okay. Walking around and stuff you know, either with canes or crutches and all that stuff. And, uh, and then went home for like, you know, like the the leave and all that for, you know, convalescent leave or uh, for uh, like Thanksgiving, Christmas and okay. all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, holiday leave and all that. And after that came back and then early January, February, March, uh, I uh, that's when I like really started busting my ass and freaking... I was up and walking around with no like assistive devices or anything like that. Nice, yeah. And that's uh, a pretty quick turnaround to being up and walking. May, May, June '07. I was like doing my like at this point, my mom uh, left and it was just m- on my own. And I had an apartment that I was living off post because uh, I refused to stay in the barracks. I had a barracks room. <laughs> yeah, but I, I had a barracks room, but I never stayed in it. I had an apartment off post, and. uh I was May, June 07. I started my fucking process to, you know, get out, retire. Okay. You know, and then fucking June 07 or June 08. 08, I mean, yeah. Yeah, June 08 is when uh, I was on terminal leave. Fucking packed all my shit up, drove all the way back home, and I was done. That was it? Wow. Yeah, that was it. Done. That was it. Pretty quick turnaround. But so, uh, your amputation's right at the hip, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So how does that... Uh, are you an osteointegration or do you have like a cup no, system? I got a fucking socket system. If I show you mine, will you show me yours? I don't know. You might feel like a little inept or like... Oh, like, Jesus. Oh, oh, and there so it is, guys. <laughs> so there it is. First and foremost, yeah. let me tell you... Size matters. The war BKs have with AKs. Yeah, you know, I, I remember above walking me. into the CFI once like just to do a minor modification and this guy's sitting there with double amputee both above the knee and he's like hey man what's up with your paper cut (laughs) (sighs) what it is and what do you say to that (laughs) you didn't really lose a leg you just lost a fucking foot you know come on yeah I know there's a whole other leg there you have two joints you have your hip and knee joints still you know I have no joints you know okay Uh I'll give it to you I'll give it to you <laughs> Size matters. So you know, I it it seems to me like you know, I mean, you were able to really fight through the injury with no, no real long lasting issues, right? right? No, you weren't blind. You recovered physically, one hundred percent. Like, how are you dealing with it mentally? Mentally, I mean, initially, yeah, at first, fucking dramatically, like after. It didn't really hit me until after I was outpatient. When I was inpatient in Bamsey at the time, it was just like, I fucking just hated being in the hospital. I just wanted to yeah. be out of that hospital. Really. Yeah. Outside of the fucking hospital. I just hated it. Um, so it didn't really hit me until I moved into the guest house. And I was like, okay, I'm not in there, but I have my own bed and all that. And then it's just like, oh, fuck. You, know, you have, I have no fucking way. Like, what am I going to do? Like, 
a lot more time to sit in your head. Yeah. I was yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of times where I cried, you know, and shit like that. But then I got over that fucking probably within a day or two. And it's like, okay, I got to fucking figure this out. Because I was only 22 years old. Yeah. Fucking. And like, I have a whole life ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. You yeah. Know? I can't sit here and feel fucking sorry for myself. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. So I just made my appointments and just... Took it day by day? Day by day, yeah. And yeah. eventually you were through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you doing nowadays? Well, between then and now, there's quite a few things I've done, you know, between, you know, contracting, DOD contracting to now I'm, you know, here working at Black Rifle Coffee Company and... Uh, absorbing into my new position where I'll be the nonprofit manager, you know, yeah. I'll be the director for uh, BRCC Gives. Oh, great. So. Shout out BRCC Gives. Check them out. Check them out. Check awesome them out. Work. So, BRCC real quick, Gives. what do you guys do? Not yeah. like I don't know. <laughs> Tell the audience a little bit about BRCC Gives. BRCC uh, Gives. Well, the Gives initiative for Black Rifle Coffee Company is, you know, to help financially support. Uh, veteran-owned businesses and or nonprofits mm. and also first responders, businesses and nonprofits, you know, and their families and all that stuff. Perfect. Anyway, we can help, whether it's through product, financial, mainly financially is what it is. Okay. The goal Evan put out was $5,000 a week for whatever business nonprofit that is specifically to help out the veteran and LEOs and first responders and all that That's stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, because of the, the reason why is you know last year and we're still kind of dealing with the lingering effects of COVID. Yep, yep. You know, and that really screwed over a lot of businesses. A lot of small businesses you know, failed. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's that's the main idea of that, trying to help them get back on their feet or you know keep them going. You know? It's an amazing yeah. mission, and it's so important too. And and as you've noticed over the last years, especially you know being injured very early on in the war, uh, I think it's a growing community the mm-hmm. veteran-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it's becoming such uh, an incredible place to be at where you're, you're now in this just group of people that in a for-profit company, you have other for-profits looking out for you. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing that military atmosphere right back in to this civilian world. And that's yep. so important. Mm-hmm. And it establishes those ethos and ethos, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible stuff. So that's amazing that you're doing that. So besides the Black Rifle Coffee Company, where could we find you at? What's your Instagram? Uh, Instagram is uh, JLimp. J-A-Y-L-I-M-P. <laughs> J-Limp. Now you got to show me your leg right now. <laughs> oh, you want to see it? I want to see it. Show everybody. Show everybody. This is Bionic, man. Let's see it. Let's see it. Mine's way more expensive. Uh, Obviously, I can't just get... Oh, yeah. Pretty Put cool, the leg up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There Look at is. that. That is bigger than mine, ladies way, and gentlemen. Way bigger. <laughs> a little bigger than mine. Now, it uh, has a an actuating knee, right? Yeah. So, it, so it, there's a hydraulic hip joint. Okay. And then uh, Come a little processor. closer to the mic. What's that? A little closer to the yeah, mic. Yeah, there's a hydraulic hip joint and okay. a, a microprocessor uh, powered knee on it. And then obviously a prosthetic foot underneath it. That's the only thing he knows about. <laughs> You know, no. you got Shots like fired. technology. I just got this like mechanical beast. It's like an anchor on like an Iron Man over here. <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to build me something so I could jump like 
Spider-Man. <laughs> I know, wish. We keep talking about uh, the grindhouse leg where she has the M4 for oh, a leg. yeah, that's right. You have a little bit more room and a little you, more clearance. You could fit a full oh, yeah, M4. Oh, yeah, I could fit a full yeah. We're Weapon talking about a Glock. Underneath it. Yeah, yeah, but he's used to explosive weapons, you know. <laughs> this is true. We can't put a 25 on there. Uh, that's amazing work. I'm, you know, it's really incredible the stuff that you're doing now and and it's it's very interesting to see the resiliency that you maintained and mm-hmm. that mindset to adapt and overcome. That's incredible stuff. We really appreciate you being on the guest on the show. Yeah, uh, it's great talking to you. I think we get to talk for another three hours, but uh, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool to see that that uh, continued service that's been a, a common theme, especially with the injured guys. Is yeah. They get injured and they it seems like to me that they don't feel like they're done serving. Yeah, so, it's the best thing to give back. Yep. You know, it's like exactly. it's been 14 years since this happened to me. Now it's like now like just recently I went out to Montana for a knife forging thing with oh, Montana yeah. Knife yeah. Company. Yep. And uh it was just you know for veterans, you know, and stuff and like it was just like a therapeutical thing. And I was there, it's like, you know, I've done this stuff, mm. that stuff, and I got invited out with my fiance. Well, I I actually proposed to her while we're out there. Oh, oh congratulations. Us. That's awesome. And, um, yeah. <clears throat> We, uh, so it was like a, cause she's, she's a veteran as well. And it was just, and we, we just, you know, just learn how to forge knives or whatever cool. and all that. And like some of those guys, they're, you know, not saying freshly when you, but whatever they, they, they just a little newer, newer at it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm like, I feel like I'm more like a mentor role. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're a leader in the veteran community yeah, and, like, and that's why you're able to take over as this nonprofit manager. Yeah. Because you have the experience, ultimately. It's, it's almost a decade and a half of experience, you know? Mm-hmm. It's incredible stuff, brother. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, Jay, thank you very much for coming yeah. on today. You're a wonderful human. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Medivac Podcast. Make sure to hit that little like button in the bottom. Yeah. And if you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Uh, social media, friends, family whatever you want. And again, if you have specific guests or topics that you want us to cover, shoot us a DM or an email. Comment uh, below. Yeah, or just comment on YouTube or something. We'll find it. We read everything. We will find you. Find you. <laughs> <laughs> thank Thanks, you very brother. Much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. No, thank you, guys. Love you. Wow. Say, Love you. say it back. Bye. <laughs> say it back. <laughs> you never say it back anymore. <laughs> <laughs>